want to invite you to Nehemiah chapter number two. As we get in the Word of God, I'm just so thankful for, uh, for the Bible. It has been so life-changing in my life. Uh, it has the power of God, and I'm thankful that uh, within the pages of the Scripture, we can find encouragement and hope each day. And, I, and I, my burden and prayer is that uh, God would give us a continual burden to serve Him no matter what may come, fo- come forward in our lives. Uh, and I'm thankful for uh, the study that we've started in Daniel. I'm stud- thankful for this thing, study in Nehemiah. And all of this, I, I just believe, is uh, uh, just as Lord has led us and, and strengthened us together as a church, I look forward to what happens next. Amen. And as we come to Nehemiah, I remind you that where we left off a couple of weeks ago when we started this study... And we looked at Nehemiah, we see in Nehemiah's life, he is part of a movement to rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, Ezra was part of that as he be, had, had this desire to build the temple, and, uh, but the, it was hard to get any progress done when you constantly have uh, people coming in to destroy all the work you've done. And so Lord laid on Nehemiah's heart, as we saw last week, uh, to do something about the walls that were broken and he has had a, a burden to, uh, to rebuild, but it began really with a burden to pray. And I'm thankful that all great movements of God begin when people choose to pray. I don't know about you, but I'm burdened for prayer. Our nation needs prayer. Our families need prayer. I heard even today of another family that is uh, considering breaking uh, apart, and my heart just weeps uh, for the, the, uh, just those that are just going through the fire right now. And many of us, like Nehemiah, uh, you know, we look at all that is broken down around us and we think we remember the good old days. The good old days as of, you know, six months ago, amen? When we, were, when we could hug one another and shake hands without worrying about killing one another. But now we're, we're concerned. We, you know, I was just visiting with someone this afternoon as we went to an event, and, and I said it had been a long time since so I'd seen them, and I stuck up my hand and I said, oh, I don't even know if you're doing that, you know. We're just, we just don't even know how to respond with people. The good old days when we could shake hands without thinking. But we, we think about all of those things, and Nehemiah, well, truly, he found himself in, in the, uh, the palace, and that's where we're going to pick up the narrative in verse num- chapter number two. He's, he's still in the palace uh, and, but last week, as he was in the palace, he was serving the king, and he was uh, serving as a king's cupbearer, and I'm just thankful that, that God allowed him to see and be burdened by what he saw and what he heard was going on in Jerusalem. He was burdened for his homeland, a place he'd never even seen before, but he, his heart was burdened, and this burden led him to prayer and fasting And uh, I just want to say again, if we're ever going to see our nation saved, lives changed, it will be a result of fervent prayer for our nation by people who claim to be His. That's us. Amen? So as we enter into chapter 2, this burden to pray is transitioning into a burden to build. And he went from a person who was prayerfully concerned to a man who was personally willing to connect and invest. And we see this in Nehemiah chapter 2, and I want to just read this text with you together tonight. Verse number 1 says, And it came to pass in the month Nisan, and that could be pronounced Nisan, but I like the word Nisan because I can remember it easier. In the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. 
Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad? When the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire, then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servants have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over until I uh, I come unto Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertaineth to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sambalat the Hornonite and Tobiah the servant of the the servant the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and I was there three days, and I rose in the night and I and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what, what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung ports, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof, which were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gates of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews nor the priests nor to the nobles nor to the rulers nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Hornonites and Tobiah the servants, the Ammonites, and Geshem the Arabian heard of it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answer I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor rights, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for uh, the, this great uh, book of the Bible. Thank you for the Word of God. Every time I get in it, Lord, you bless me uh, with riches beyond anything that I can imagine. And Lord, I thank you for the work that you're doing in hearts and in our church. Lord, I'm humbled as I look around tonight and I see uh, the mighty hand of our God that is upon us tonight. And so, Father, we call upon you and we ask you, Lord, that you would... Uh, Uh, just energize, renew our hearts, and give us a burden to build once again. That, Lord, we would not uh, fearfully uh, 
retreats, but instead, God, we would desire to build the kingdom of God once again. And so, God, help us in this hour, in this time, Lord, to hear from heaven. And then, once hearing, Lord, may we act upon it tonight. Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look here and in Nehemiah chapter 2, I want to just point out a couple of things from this text tonight. As we look at Nehemiah's burden to build, and, and initially I want you to see that he, uh, in his burden, he had to learn to wait on the Lord. And there is a weight in waiting, amen? W-E-I-G-H-T, there is a weight in waiting. And if you ever have had to wait on anything, you know what I mean. If you had to, we none of us leave here or leave our home with the intent to drive across Springfield and say, boy, I sure hope I get to stop at every light on the way across town. We don't say, man, I can't wait to get behind the slowest person in Springfield and stay behind them for miles on end. We don't like to wait, do we? Matter of fact, we go through the fast food drive-in, and if we don't get some sort of satisfaction within two to three minutes, we think we've waited an eternity, and we just think, oh my goodness, I'm going to leave. This place isn't worth my time. You know, honestly, we struggle with waiting, don't we? And we feel a weight oftentimes associated with waiting. And we can become anxious of spirit as well. And Nehemiah knew what it was to wait. In verse number 1 it says, And it came to pass in the month Nisan or Nisan. This month was, um, would, would correspond with our calendar year of mid-March to April. And, and then he mentions uh, before that it began in Chislu, the month of Chislu which was November to December. And so during these months, about four months, Nehemiah had to patiently wait on the Lord to answer his request. It wasn't chapter 1 ended and immediately chapter 2 began. It was months of time that elapsed between Nehemiah 1 and Nehemiah 2. And so he had to wait. He was burdened uh, for this time. And, and we saw this burden turned him to prayer and fasting. And, and we saw that in verses 4 through 11 last time as we just looked at the, his prayer and his urgency in his prayer and his desire to build once again. And as we look at this, even, may I just say, even the most devoted don't have their answers, uh, their prayers answered overnight. And I confess to praying uh, Oftentimes for patience like a two-year-old would pray for something. I want patience and I want it now. You know, that's how we oftentimes pray for things from God. But we must know not only how to weep and pray, but also how to wait and pray. And this is the lesson of Nehemiah. And this is a lesson I believe that God has taught us over the last several months here is that is we must not only give ourselves to, to, uh, to uh, weeping and praying, but waiting on Him and praying. And Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 12 reminds us that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews encourages us to imitate those who have gathered strength in waiting because these have endured much for the cause of Christ. And they have waited patiently during trials that they have faced. And it's in these times of waiting we would do well to memorize Scripture. And we would do well to be encouraged by the Lord. Because Scripture can be a calm in the midst of an anxious spirit. For example, Brother Corey read Psalms 46 tonight. And Psalm 46.10 specifically says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And so there is this, 
this, this truth here in Psalms 46 that when we're still and we can lean upon Him and we come to Him, that it's in those moments that He begins to uh, give calm in the midst of our anxiety. When the children of Israel were trapped between the Red Sea and the army of Egypt, which was one of the greatest armies of the world at that time, the Lord commanded them to be still, to stand still, to wait. He didn't tell them to do anything, but just to watch His care for them in their lives. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord which He will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. This is definitely times where we can simply be still and watch God do an awesome work. But what do we do in that stillness? Nehemiah teaches us in Nehemiah 1. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The need to pray in our waiting to pray, to lean upon the Lord. Because when we wait upon the Lord... A waiting time is not a wasted time. Instead, you are investing it. And so God is using this time to prepare Nehemiah and the circumstances. And it's in this time of waiting that God is preparing His heart. He's preparing the materials. He's preparing the hearts of the people. And He's waiting until it all comes together to make, uh, to make success in Nehemiah's life. But in this time of waiting, we see Nehemiah labored for the king. He worked for the king. He sought for more information. But most importantly, he earnestly sought the Lord in prayer. Listen, waiting brings wisdom. Waiting on the Lord brings wisdom specifically. And just because we wait doesn't mean we do nothing. Nehemiah obviously had time to pray and consider uh, what wording he was going to have to say. In verse number 1, he says, and it says, uh, in the month of Nisan, in the, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the, uh, of excuse me, 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, I'm not uh, before time been sad in his presence, wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad? He had time to consider his words. He had time to pray about how he would approach the king with all of this, but ultimately his burden began to overwhelm him, and it had grown in his life through this time. Now, just a little truth here. Uh, Eastern monarchs during this time were sheltered from anything that might bring them unhappiness. They, they had to be protected from those things. An example of this is found in the book of Esther. If you look over there uh, in Esther chapter 4 and verses 1 and 2, we'll find that Mordecai sat in the gate, and as he sat in the gate, Esther tried to warn him that he would, uh, so that he would not lose his life. Esther chapter 4, verse 1, it says, When Mordecai perceived that all that was done... Mordecai rent his clothes, put on sackcloth with ashes, and went out in the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter voice, uh, a loud and bitter cry, and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And so there was this desire of Esther to warn Mar Mar Mordecai, uh, Mordecai and try to pr protect him, because the gate, the he wasn't even allowed into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. That, that king was protected; he didn't want any bad or anything evil coming. But honestly, Nehemiah, as he served the king, all the burdens overwhelmed him. And his heart could no longer be hid. You know, we can, we can hide things pretty good, can't we? We hide things and we put on a smile, a smile and now with masks on, you, you can hide things really good. Are you smiling? No, I'm just squinting. 
You know, and, and we look at this and we think, well, I just, I'll just put on a show. But listen, all the, the burdens that he carried could not be hid forever. And so God provided an opportunity for Nehemiah to speak when the king noticed that he was sorrowful. Listen, God opened doors that only God could open. God had plans to use this king in the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And I'm thankful that God knows how to use the devil's resources to do his work. Amen? Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. So let me ask you, how do we respond with our upcoming election? Do we worry? Do we fret? No. We commit ourselves to prayer. We seek uh, for God to use whatever official enters that office and, and ask God that to, just to direct and lead in our country. Listen, it doesn't matter if they're saved or lost. We've seen throughout Scripture that God can use saved or the lost and to, to fulfill His will. Now, do I, do I want a saved man in the office? Absolutely. So don't get me wrong there. But I'm, I'm asking you, how do we respond? 2 Chronicles chapter number 20 and verse number 6, it says, And, and said, O God, Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Listen, even while Nehemiah had to wait for the perfect opportunity to talk to the king, we never have to wait for the opportunity to speak to the king of kings. We can come into the throne of grace, and when we, when we need Him, He is there, and He is the one that says, listen, why don't you come find grace? Why don't you come find mercy and, and from the throne of grace? And Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore come, well, how, church? Boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, praise the Lord that God says, listen, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And this is the God that we're talking about. This is the God that Nehemiah served. And this is the God that was answering in such a powerful way here that even in the waiting, God had a plan that was incredible. And we see that the, the king said, let the king, or Nehemiah said, let the king live forever because the king had a burden. The king wanted to know what was going on. God opened those doors. But let me just, just point out that Nehemiah in verse number 4 had a willingness to ask. He didn't just, you know, you know, I, I need something. My kids and I have gotten uh, where we like to watch Green Acres. Anybody remember Green Acres? Mr. Haney. Well, we, we kind of watch some Green Acres now and again, and actually I say now and again every, almost every night. Can we watch an episode of Green Acres, Dad? And so we've been watching Green Acres, and, and as we watch through that, I, I just, I, I'm amazed by Mr. Haney. I never watched it growing up, I'll be honest, but I've, we really enjoy it now. Mr. Haney could sell anything. But it, it all started with his desire to ask, hey, would you like to buy this? Would, I've got this thing here. Oh, you need a tractor. I happen to have one for sale. And you know that anything Mr. Haney sells is junk. <laughs> and some of you are like, what is Green Acres? It's good TV. <laughs> All right. I'll have to move forward. But listen, in, in verses 4 through 8, we see that Nehemiah was willing to just say, God, I, I need, I have a desire, I have a, 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 something that in my life that I need. I remember many times as a kid that I, there was something I wanted, but I was afraid to ask my parents because I didn't want to be told no. 
On January 1st, 2010, a law went into effect in the great state of Texas that requires the Department of Public Safety to ask all driver's license applicants if they wish to become an organ donor. The result of the new, new law uh, was that more than, uh, they had twice as many donors as they did before. Listen, all they did was ask. That's the power of asking. And, but asking depends on courage. At this point, the king had asked, what is it you want? And in that question, all the wealth and power of his nation were wrapped up in that one question. And so we see in verse number 4 that, that Nehemiah said a prayer to the God of heaven. He says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, I didn't get on his knees and say, oh, dear Lord. You could just, you ever had those moments where you just stop and you just say, Lord, help me right now. Not out loud, but maybe in your mind. And I'm so thankful that God hears even those little prayers. But this wasn't just a little short prayer here. This prayer was not lengthy, but it was backed up by a spirit of prayer that had been months in coming and months in prayer and months in fasting. One commentator said he had only an instant for that prayer. Silence would have been misinterpreted. Had he closed his eyes and lingered in devotion, the king immediately would have suspected treason. So instead of responding directly, we see in verse number 5, and he says, I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me to Judah. He said, listen, I've got a burden going on there. He has, a, has a, a, a request that he needs. And as he boldly asks this question, we see that his resolve is deepened because before he was burdened and he was praying, but that now he's willing to say, God, I will leave this comfortable position and I will go and I will, I will be the one. You ever noticed how people get burdened for missions and mission fields? And they begin to pray for these mission fields. And they say, God, I, I pray that you would send someone to South Sudan to, to share the gospel. God, I pray that you would send someone to Guam, that the people there may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or God, I pray that someone in, would have a burden to go to the country of Laos. And you begin to pray and pray. And what happens is eventually God takes that burden and he plants it in your heart. And next thing you know, you find yourself at the throne of the king and you say, God, I'm ready to go. His resolve was deepened, and we see this because his request was, send me. In verses 4 through 6, he said, listen, if I found favor, that thou would send me to Judah unto the city of my father's sepulchers that I may build it. He said, listen, I just, I just want to go to, to, to this place and I want to rebuild this. I, I, I see there's a devastation. I see that this place has been left in ruins and I, I'm, not, I'm just burdened for this, O king. And, and, Lord, and he's prayed and he said, Lord, help me to, to answer correctly. But his burden for the king was just send me. His resolve was deepened. Then as he went to verse number 7, and he says, give me. It wasn't just send me. But it was also a request to give him. Look at verse 7. He says, Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river. He said, I want safe passage, but I also want materials to build in verses 8. And he says, Listen, I need letters of safe travel. I need letters for the supplies from, for Asaph to give me the timber that I need. I need all of these things. And so, uh, literally, he was laying his life in the hands of the king and said, Listen, this is what I need. You ask, this is what, what my burden is. I'm burdened for the destruction of all that's happened in my city. And so the king's response made clear that God can work 
through unbelievers to accomplish His will and desires. Look in verse number 9, or verse number 8. Uh, and the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Right there at the end of verse 8, we see that God answered that, question, that request. And let me just remind you of a couple of, uh, of uh, verses that Christ talks about when he deals with prayer. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Listen, we can't quit asking. We can't quit seeking the hand of God. We can't quit knocking and saying, God, we're not done in Springfield. God, we're not done around the world. God, we, we're asking, we're seeking, we're asking you to, to, to continue to bring revival in the hearts of your people. We're asking you to preserve our nation. We're asking you, Lord, that you might be merciful unto us a sinner. And James 4, 4 says, You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and you cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because what, church? Yes, not. Wednesday night, we talked about Psalms 37. And in Psalms 37, uh, I remind you of verse number 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Notice that Nehemiah was, had been spending time with God in these last four months. He said, he said Lord, I need you. God, we, the Jerusalem needs you. Would you make yourself strong and mighty in this moment? And we saw God grant that request. And as we look in, in verses number 9 through 20, we see there's a great witness of faith. As he just had this burden to build, his, his faith was made manifest in a very mighty, mighty way. Starting in verse number 11, I just want to pick up. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I rose in the night and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. And so we see here that, that his faith caused him to move. Listen, my faith doesn't lead me to inaction. My faith leads me to action and to serving the Lord. We're taught by Christ that the faith, even as a grain of a mustard seed, can move mountains, right? This is what the New Testament this says. Listen, even the smallest amount of faith can be used to do mighty things. If faith the size of a mustard seed will move a mountain, what kind of faith will it take to move our hearts? What kind of faith will it take to move us? Nehemiah could have just been all smoke. He could have just been, listen... I'm just here to, to inspect. I'm not really here to do anything. But instead, he put, his, his act, put action to his plan. His faith was shown in his traveling. His faith was seen as he, uh, as he entered into that land. I r remind you that traveling today and then is a little bit different. I'm thankful I can get into my car and I can hit the key or if you've got the push button start or however your car starts, you just get in it. You, you just turn the key and you, the engine comes to life. I put it in drive and I just go. I, you know, it's not even, we don't even have to go out to the stable and saddle a horse and hope it doesn't buck me off or anything like that. You know, I just get in the car and go. It's easy. I don't have to stop and pay tolls because I live in Missouri. Praise God. Amen. You know, there's, there's none of those things. I just get in and I can travel. I can travel up to, to, to uh, however far I want to go just about. But then was not quite so easy. Matter of fact, traveling itself was an act of faith because traveling in his official caravan was bound to attract attention. You see that, that when the king sent him, he sent him with, with others that came with him. And it says, I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters 
And the king sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. He wasn't alone. This was a caravan that went in uh, to Jerusalem with him. And as they went into to, to Jerusalem, there was all of these people and these, these animals and these things that traveled together because they had to travel in numbers to prevent, prevent them from being destroyed or hurt. But as we look at this, this wasn't the only concern he had because he mentions in verse number 10 a couple of enemies that have arisen. When Sanballat the Hornonite and Tobiah the servants the Ammonites heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. And so they saw this caravan coming into the city, and quite honestly, they were afraid. They thought, man, he's coming uh, to rat us out. They were not good men. Later we see that, uh, that Geshem, who was an Arabian, was also an enemy some of these, like Tobiah, was related to marriage, uh, by marriage to the Jews, and even I uh, was near of kin, uh, kin to Eliakim, the, Eliashib, the priest. And he gathered info, inside info, and he shared it with others. Listen, Nehemiah's enemies, the biggest enemies he had was from the inside. Church, let me just say that we must be very cautious that we're used as a, a, a tool of the Lord and not as a tool of division. Even Paul warned that those who cause division, he says, have no part with them. Amen. Let us not be people that, that uh, cause and seek division and strife, but instead people that uh, promote the harmony of the Lord within the walls of the church. We'll get to that a little bit more later in the book of Nehemiah. But let me just say that these guys initially began to criticize. And we saw that in verse number 19. But when Sambalat, when he heard actually what was going on, he was fearful at first. And Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonites, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you will ye do? Will you rebel against the king? Listen, he, he, they wanted to cause doubt, even on this, this great moment as, as Nehemiah has surveyed the surroundings and he's brought in the people and he says, they, they began to laugh at him and said, listen, you, you don't even know what you're doing. You're just trying to rebel against the king and set up your own kingdom. Listen, there's going to be people that try to discourage us along the way. And I want to encourage you from the book of Psalms in chapter 119 and verse number 69. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Keep the Word of God. Trust in Him. But I see also he had a faith to learn. He arrived on the scene. And he decided to investigate all that was going on. He didn't rush into his work. Instead, he gathered data. He learned the land. And this essentially, it, because it was his first time in the homeland. Proverbs 18, 13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. And so, so Nehemiah took some time to learn and to gather and to be strengthened by what he could learn. He needed to know the extent of his enemies. He needed to know what the extent of the work was. And so he worked covertly at night. And he worked with a desire to build. Listen, he had had secondhand information at the palace. And these friends of his had come and they said, listen, this is, the, the, this is where the walls are. This is the, the place of, of destruction. This is, this is how bad it is. And then when he got there, he said, listen, I'm not satisfied with secondhand information. I've got to know for myself. He wanted to see. He wanted to learn. He wanted to grow. And as believers today, we can take a page from Nehemiah's book. And if we have a burden to build, we must be willing to learn. Learning the Spirit of Christ. Learning the Word of God. And we see that 
through it all, he had faith to persevere. Nehemiah was not without challenges. We mentioned some of those that were against him, but he faced some other obstacles as well. They became content with broken down walls. You ever notice that uh, if you live in a house for very long, you eventually you, you quit noticing that the, the paint is flaking off the walls? Maybe the caulk has cracked and you didn't notice it. Maybe there's a broken window pane somewhere in, in the house and after time you just forget about it. You, you just don't think about it. I had a piece of trim that I finally repaired after about three years in my home yesterday. We just get used to these things. We grow content with the way things are. And then there was another attitude he had to combat. This is the attitude of, we've already tried that here. We tried to build and we were rejected. Remember Ezra, the book of Ezra, as they tried to build the temple and they weren't able to, and they were like, we've already tried that and all it does is create problems. So we've given up, we've built our houses and we're happy to be here. We're content. But as he entered into the scene, he brought a brand new perspective and he challenged them. And I love this moment as he has taken time to survey everything. He comes back and he says, listen, God is still God. And I want to just, just read again uh, verse number 17. He says, then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in. Listen, he put himself in this category. He says, listen, we as Jews are in distress today. And he says, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. He shared with them the burden, and then he shared with them the blessings in verse number 18. And he says, listen, can't you see all the devastation? We can't leave it like that. We've got to build again. And listen, let me just say as your pastor, we can't leave things as they are. We can't grow content. We can't grow satisfied with where they're at. We can't be, we can't be satisfied with just getting to where we were before COVID. We must continue to reach forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ into all the world, into our own backyard. We must continue to persevere in this time. What do we do? We continue. We have a burden to build. It comes from God. And I remind you like he reminded those people in verse number 18 of the blessings of our God. God has been faithful. And we know that he has been good. And all of the years of Hillside Baptist Church, almost uh, for over 49 years, we've seen God do miraculous things. But listen, God is not done yet. Amen? Do you believe that today, church? Amen. I believe that God's not done with us yet. I believe that God's not finished with our influence and our witness. And listen, and the only way that, that this church will go down is when we self-destruct and commit suicide. I'm just going to be flat out honest. Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the gates of the church. And so let us not choose to walk away. And let us not choose when we see the need in the hour of building to say, listen, somebody else will do it. Listen, I'm, I want to take personal responsibility and I want to be one of those ones that says, listen, I want to be involved and I want to be the one that shares the gospel with my neighbor and I want to be the one in that twos and threes class. Oh, Lord, help me. And, and be in there in those moments when those children need the gospel. Listen. We have the opportunity to build not just buildings, something far greater than a building, something that will out, outshine this beautiful building, but something far greater, and that is when we invest in the life of a child, we have the glorious opportunity to build in, uh, in them uh, the eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
1 Corinthians chapter number 3, it says, For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Listen. God's called us to build. He's not called us to, to just be content. He's not called us to say, well, we've already tried that. Listen, we keep trying and we keep working and we keep building and we keep growing and we keep asking God and we keep seeking God and we keep waiting on the Lord and we must not quit and we must not grow, grow weary in well-doing because we shall reap if we faint not, church. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain of the Lord. And right now we seek to build, not a physical building. We seek to build lives. Our van ministry has lined dormant for six months. Our children's classes have been empty. Our senior adults' classes and ministries are not meeting, and my heart is burdened, my heart is broken. Listen, God's got us in a time of waiting, and in our waiting we must pray, and our waiting we must prepare, and when we, when we have the opportunity we must continue to build, and we must continue to go forward, and we must come back with the power of, and the strength and the confidence in the Lord who led us here will lead us there. And we must know that, that God has called us right now to seek Him and say, Lord, how can I help? And I want to step out by faith, and I want to just be, be able to be part of the movement of building at Hillside Baptist Church. My wife and I were talking last night, and I said, what do we need to restart everything today? I said, I said, where people can serve one class one time a month, what do we need? What are, what are we looking at? She said, we need 40 more volunteers. Where are they going to come from? I said, I don't know. They're going to come from God. Listen, years ago, when, when, well, in, in January 2019, God, asked, uh, God gave me a burden to pray that we might pay off our building. And I began to pray and seek God, Lord, let us pay off the building by our 50th anniversary. And I shared it with Pastor Tolbert. I remember sitting at, his, at, at your kitchen table, Sister Shirley. And I said, Pastor Tolbert, I want you to pray with me that God will let us pay off our building. $500,000 in debt in, by our 50th anniversary. I said, God, this is my burden and I shared my burden with Pastor Tolbert, and he says, oh, that would be great. And, and I could see him, and he's just like, that would be wonderful if God would do it. And, and he says, wouldn't that be so great? And I said, I don't know how God's going to do it. I just know that God's going to do it. Listen, sometimes when we pray for things, we don't always know how God's going to do it. We just get the opportunity to see him work the miracle, amen? And right now, God's calling us, will you pray? Pray that God would help us to build. and Pray that God would help us to go forward, but not just pray. Say, God, how can I be a part of this? Are you burdened to build tonight? Are you burdened to have that 1 Corinthians 3 ministry that says, listen, I want to build upon a foundation that will last for eternity. I want to build in the building of God, not just a building made with hands. I want to be part of the eternal building of God. And tonight, God is asking you, will you build? Would you bow your head with me tonight? Even now, as we begin our invitation, I want to invite you, would you come even now, right now, and just say, Lord, I want to be part of building whatever happens next.
I want to be part, Lord, of giving my life, uh, my energies. I want to be part of, of just being faithful in my giving financially. God, I want to be a part of every aspect of being able to see the gospel of Jesus Christ go forward in this, in this hour. God's not done with us yet. Our moment hasn't ended, and it's not time for rapture practice, folks. It is time to continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we can't do that if, we don't, if we're just content with how things are now. Would you arise and build? Would you say, Lord, I want to build?